electronic devices I've got up here. I should have brought my Bible. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change our life. Can change our heart. Can help us give forgiveness. And to receive forgiveness. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, I forgive you. Even if you didn't have to. <laughs> if you have your in your bulletins is your connection card, would you find that? And if some of you haven't jumped the gun and filled that out yet, or even if you have, uh, I'd like for you to take a look at it. Uh, if you're a regular with us, which most of you are, just put your name and email address on there so we keep those current. Uh, there's something on the back that we're going to ask of you um, here later in the sermon, so that's the reason I need you to hang on to that card. But I thought as you fill out the card, you might enjoy having a little River Oaks commu- uh, connection card music. So we'll go ahead and play that. I'll give you 33 seconds to fill that out. Hopefully you had time to fill out the card, and like I say, hang on to it. There's uh, some challenges we want to give you toward the end of the service this morning. Our story today, as we start our new series, uh, Forgiveness, the Real F Word, because we need to learn about forgiveness, and we need to be able to extend it to others, but we also need to be able to receive it, and that's what we want to talk about today is uh, why and how we we need to do that and finding it and what it takes to find forgiveness. Uh, we're going to talk about that today. And the story I want us to focus on biblically is in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, we find the story, a parable of the prodigal son. <clears throat> now, how many of you have heard of this story before? The prodigal son. Okay, good. It starts at about verse 11. <clears throat> and uh, if you'll grab that in your version and follow along with me, I'll read in my renegade version up here, and some of you won't, it, it won't look like yours, but it's going to give you the same information. It goes like this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between the two sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and took a trip to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept through the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired hands have enough food to spare. Here I am, dying of hunger. 
I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on, on as a hired man. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe uh, in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the wonderful Bible story that no matter how far we might run from you, we can always return home. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we kick off our new teaching series this month, Forgiveness, the Real F Word, I believe it's such a timely topic. Forgiveness can be very therapeutic. Forgiveness can take away bitterness. Forgiveness can cover a multitude of sins. There's a lot of things we can say about forgiveness, and we're going to as we go through the next few weeks. But we need to understand what it means to receive ultimate forgiveness. Ultimate forgiveness, without Jesus dying, being buried, and rising from the dead, there would be no opportunity for you and I to ever receive ultimate forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. And without that ultimate forgiveness that God provides, it would be impossible for us then to extend it to others, to forgive others. For us to forgive others and for us to live in the freedom of that forgiveness, we have to experience the ultimate forgiveness given to us by Almighty God. And forgiveness is a word that's misunderstood and mismanaged. No one wants to admit that they need forgiveness. We don't like to admit we need it, and we're real stingy about giving it. Yet forgiveness is universal. The Middle East could be quiet tomorrow if people would look at each other and just forgive each other. But you've got to go back to the book of Genesis to find out why they're fighting in the Middle East, even to this day. It's a battle between the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Ishmael. Over the land called Israel. And the descendants of Ishmael say, well, Abraham was our father too. (laughs) And they're right. But God established in the latter part of Genesis the the boundaries for Israel and the boundaries for Ish, uh, for Ishmael's descendants. So what he did is he gave the uh, descendants of Isaac this little land called Israel, and he gave all the oil <laughs> to Ishmael's people. And uh, the uh, radical Muslims are selling that oil in Iraq for $25 a barrel on the black market. Boy, that's awesome, isn't it? All they want's money. Because right now, you and I are paying $90 a barrel for it. Funny how we still fight over things that we don't need to fight about. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Without forgiveness, there's no hope of reconciliation between us, other people, or even between us and God. 
Yet at the same time, there's a great power in forgiveness. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us when we seek forgiveness and when we offer forgiveness. On your sermon notes, I have a verse for you as we open Romans 6, 4. It says, Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Would you circle on that outline the word power? The power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power behind forgiveness. It's the same power that powered the resurrection. It powers forgiveness. Finding forgiveness is the key to finding power for living. How many of you have experienced great forgiveness? When you have received that, it gives you a little easier way and path to follow to share it with someone else, doesn't it? And I want to quickly give you three levels of forgiveness. The third level of forgiveness might be considered the basic level, and that's we forgive. It's forgiveness that we uh, actually that's that shouldn't be that way. I, I I did those wrong. Jeff, just go ahead and pop them all up there. Thank you. The top one. No, that's right. It, it is right. <laughs> the bottom the bottom one is forgiveness that we give ourselves. Then it's forgiveness that we give to others. And then the ultimate is, or the toughest one, is the forgiveness that we receive. Those are three levels of forgiveness. And they build on each other. And they start from the bottom and work their way up. Because it's easy sometimes to forgive ourselves. It's easy sometimes to forgive others. But it's very hard to receive forgiveness from other people. And so we'll talk about that over the next uh, few weeks. And never forget that the ultimate level, that top level, is when we're on the receiving end of forgiveness. Those of you that raised your hand when I said, "Have have you tasted great forgiveness? Can you think about the time that that happened, the circumstances around it? And then can you quickly think about how you felt when it was finally granted? See, I can forgive you. I may not forget what happened, but I can still forgive you for it. Amen? Because there's still a human thread that runs through all of us. And if somebody hurts us, hurts. But don't harbor it. Don't hang on to it. Because if you do, it'll eat you up. Cindy and I were made a quick run to Dallas and back yesterday to do a uh, be a part of a memorial service for my nephew. As I sat around at the park and we were under pavilion, I was just kind of looking at family and friends of family and people I didn't even know. But I think for a lot of them, there just was there was just something in their eyes that I was looking for. I was looking for a sparkle. I was looking for, you know, some glimmer, and I, I didn't find it in a lot of them. And that's sad. That's sad. Because God has so much waiting for us if we'll just accept what He has for us. We opened up uh, sharing the uh, story of the prodigal son. And uh, let me give you just a little bit more. It's right there in your in your uh, sermon outline. It says, a man has two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, to, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. You know, that's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Hey, old man, give me the money before you pass away. I want it now. <laughs> before you kick the bucket. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between the two sons, and a few days later the younger son packs up and heads off to the distant land. 
So the younger son goes off to lavishly live a lifestyle that the money would bring him. And you know the rest of the story. But maybe you haven't seen it from a theological viewpoint. Let me share that with you. The prodigal son is a parable that's a divine drama. It illustrates all of humanity's decision to turn their backs on God, to sin against God, and to ultimately leave what is best for us. What is best for us is this story is illustrated with the word home. Don't forget home. Because this story is an illustration of our need to find forgiveness because we've sinned against God. And in the parable, the son makes a decision to return home. And on his way back home, back to the father, it's clear what he wants to do. And when we make the decision to return to God, God lays out very clearly how we do that. We come back to God through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. My sister-in-law said, "If you, I want you and your brother to, to do this uh, memorial thing, but I want it to be short, sweet, and to the point. So I made mine as short, sweet, and to the point as I could. I just stood up and I said, if you don't turn, you're going to burn. You're going to go to hell if you don't find Jesus. Well, not quite that bad, but... That's what was running through my mind. It's really, isn't that, isn't that the essence of life? You either find Him or you don't. Turn or burn. If you don't turn, you're going to burn. But when you return to God, God's ready. And He's, got, he's made the path. He's made the pathway. All we've got to do is just follow the path. Okay? Maybe you find yourself as a prodigal son or prodigal daughter who needs to return home to a loving Father, would you consider for just a few moments that God is indeed a loving Father who desires to restore a relationship with you, who wants to forgive you, who wants to wipe the slate clean, who wants to welcome you fully back into the family even though you may have turned your back on Him? Would you consider that just for a few minutes that you have exchanged your life for something best in the pursuit of something less, would you just consider God has a better life for you and it's available to you if you'll just return to Him? And to your spiritual home through Christ. I hope you'll open your minds. I hope you'll let your minds wrap around that thought process this morning. And I want to give you three quick things that God wants us to learn about ultimate forgiveness. The first one is, recognize that I need God. Recognize that I need God. I want, to, I want you to take a, a, a quick quiz with me. Uh, by a show of hands, and you've really already done that. I, I, I made myself a note to bring it back up, but I don't need to because you've already said how many of you have heard of the prodigal son. But have you ever defined what is a prodigal? You ever sit around and thought about that? Um, of course, it could be a son departs, a younger son departs. That would be part of it. Um, could be that uh, he turned his back on his family. It could be that he took the money and ran. Uh, that he's lost. But I was trying to work with a more formal def definition and I found one that maybe you'd agree with me. A prodigal is someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. A prodigal is someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. And that's pretty, that's pretty good statement, isn't it? It's saying no to the best and saying yes to the less. But as we see in our story, God allows the prodigal to return. 
That's the best part of the whole story. And he returned back to the best life possible. Though he had squandered it all away, he came back and, and the Father lavishly poured out on him blessing upon blessing and restoration in unmeasurable ways. Someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life, but upon returning can regain the better way. Oh, I love that. Love that part of this story. Love this part of the story. Let's go back to the story there. In the, for just a minute, though, I, I've always been intrigued by this story. With it said that he was looking at the corn husks that the pigs weren't, weren't eating and thought, man, those look good. You ever been that hungry? Like you're walking down through the park here down to McDonald's, you're hoping, you're smelling. You don't, you've got a dollar in your pocket and you're hoping that you can get something for a dollar. And you see a, you walk by one of the big trash cans and you see a half-eaten Big Mac sitting in the thing. You ever thought about just grabbing that and finishing it off? Now, you'd have to be pretty hungry to do that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'll be, I'll do it. Yeah, okay. And they just might. But let's, let's pick up our story again in verse 17. Because we learned something really, really important here. A couple of things. Number one, he says, when we finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired men have enough food to spare. And here I am, the son of man who I left dying of hunger. So what did he do? It says when he, two things. It says he came to his senses. There comes a time in all of our lives when we got to wake up, grow up and fess up. Come to your senses. Why should it be handed to you all the time? Why should somebody else pay the price? Quit doing it. Quit doing it. Well, they're family and somebody doesn't take care of them. Well, then why are the problems still there and why are they still perpetuating the same lifestyle? Quit enabling it. Quit enabling it. They came to their senses. I mean, I saw yesterday in, in my family, an extended family, I saw so much enabling going on. It just breaks your heart. Somebody's got to grow up sometime and take responsibility for who they are. It's not always somebody else's fault. Amen? Leave the best and settle for something less. But he came to his senses. Uh, you can do that in the middle of a pig stock, can't you? But then I want you to notice the second thing. And that's that word home. And that word home. Would you circle that word home? There's great symbolism in the story about the word home. He began to think about what he had lost by leaving his father and he decided to go back home. See, the first step in finding forgiveness is to recognize your need for God because when you have turned your back on God and you find yourself in this place, the only proper person to look to is God. He's the only one who's really going to truly understand and forgive you. The ultimate level of forgiveness that we need to experience is God's forgiveness. You might say, well, man, you know, I've never worked in a pig pen. I've never... Taking money and squandering it like that. But I'll bet you can relate to the emptiness that you feel being separated from God. 
I bet you know how loneliness and the longing you have in your heart for a relationship with God and your Heavenly Father. And I bet you know the spiritual hunger pains that that disconnection causes in your life. But you need to know that long before you made a decision to come to Christ or to come back home, God took the first step. In John 1 and verse 14 it says, The Word became human and lived on earth. How do I know that? And what does that really mean? Well, let me show you the first part of John 3.16. One of the most famous verses in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that what? He gave His only Son. See, that's the first step. God's already taken the first step. And when we wake up and realize that we need God, we need to realize that God's already done what He needs to do for us to come back home. So in order to find... Forgiveness, we've got to first of, all, first of all recognize that I need God. Secondly, I have to return home to God. Got to return home to God. In other words, you've got to take action. If I tell Cindy I love her, but I never hug her or kiss her, she might wonder. Of course, she may say, that's great. Don't ever hug and kiss me over here. But you want to show them. You can take action, right? Sure. You take action when you... Want to prove something to somebody. So, he said, i got to return home. So you and I need to say we need to return home to God. So if you'll get up and return, guess what? God's already waiting. God's already waiting. And I love that about this particular story. Because the decision to return home... See, you notice the dad didn't run after the kid when he said, I'm going off into a foreign land. He didn't run off after him. And when he got broke, he didn't run bail him out. Because the decision to return home was the son's decision and his alone. And his alone. The father can't make it for him. God loves us so much and way too much to take away our freedom. He wants us to have the freedom to choose whether we're going to love him or not. It's our choice. So the man says, I'm going to go home to my father and tell my father that I've sinned against both heaven and you and I no longer am worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired hand. So he returned home to his father. Home. Home. In the story, home is the place where the son belongs. It's the place where you should be. It's a place where he's happy. So the son finally says, man, this is stupid. I'm going to go home. And so the son's first step toward home it was to admit that he sinned against heaven and against his father. And the son realizes it and he returns home. But before he does, he must recognize that it was wrong to leave in the first place and ask forgiveness. See, our story, our lives are about a spiritual journey. Our story and our lives, our home is with God ultimately because we're going to leave this life and be with Him forever or not. The choice is ours. True? Amen? It's your choice. You can either go to heaven or you can go to hell. It's up to you. It's really that cut and dry. Well, yeah, but, uh, but, but, but preacher, that's your... But, no, it's that, it's that, that's cut and dry. And if you're going to go to heaven to be with God forever, then you need to do stuff this side of heaven to get you prepared to go. And the first one is, return to Him. 
If you've run away from Him, come back. Come back. Come back. God says, this is what I want. It's the best for your life. Stay with me. Things are going to work right. Don't run away. Sometimes we think we know more than God does. And when we're separated from Him, the only solution we have is to take that turn back to God. And the journey to God is not a long journey. It's only one step. You turn and take one step toward God, and He comes running to you. I love that. I love that. Isn't that the picture of the story of the dad? The dad sees him far off and runs down the road to his son. That's the story I know about my God and my Father. If you'll take one step, He's ready to come. He's ready to help you. He's ready to reach out to us. <laughs> Looking for us. That's right. Maybe you remember a story some time ago out of Atlanta, Georgia, about a guy named Brian Nichols. He was on trial there, and he attempted to escape. He stole a guard's gun, and he killed two guards. Then he killed a couple more people as he escaped. There was this massive manhunt to capture Brian Nichols. He'd gotten away, and at 1 a.m. the next morning, he was in an apartment complex. And at that time, a young woman, 26-year-old single mom, Ashley Smith, who happened to be a Christian, was returning from the store where she had bought some cigarettes. Nichols got out of his car and forced her into her apartment and held her hostage. Well, no doubt she was very afraid, and also no doubt Nichols was very panicky. He had to have realized that by this time his life was over. It was only a matter of time. And then to exacerbate it, he was holding her hostage. So she asked him if she could get something to read while she was being held, and he said, sure. And of course, being the Christian, she went back got two books. She got her Bible, and she got out the book, The, the uh, Purpose Driven Life. She pulled them out and started reading, and Brian Nichols asked her if she would read out loud from the book. Well, she happened to be on day 33 of The Purpose Driven Life and talked about service and how God has created us all for a purpose, and God has given us all unique gifts, and the purpose of those gifts is to serve God and other people, but we all have a purpose. And Brian Nichols asked for her a very incredible question. He said, do you think God still has a purpose for my life? And her answer was, yes. If you turn to God now, yes, He has a purpose for your life. It's never too late to turn. If you, if you turn now, His purpose could be sharing God's love in prison. But it's not too late if you turn back to God now. It may have been too late for Brian Nichols to avoid the death penalty, but it's not too late for him to receive forgiveness from God or to have God's purpose and God's meaning in the rest of his life, however long that was. You see, I have people tell me all the time that if a, a prisoner becomes a Christian, they should be let out on the street so they could proclaim the gospel more. Well, there's a penalty that they have to pay for a life of choices that they made. And if they're a Christian, then their destiny is set, so it doesn't matter. Amen? Sounds cold and callous, I guess. But it doesn't matter how deep the pit, it doesn't matter what you think that you've done that you can't get past, but God can. And God's already taken the biggest step. Back to John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him... Well, who's the Him? So you've got to recognize your need, you've got to have... A time you got to return home to God, and in number three, you've got to receive God's forgiveness through Christ. The hymn is Jesus. 
Jesus is the hymn. When uh, Tim Tebow was playing uh, football in Florida, uh, college football, he used to put on his little black things under his eyes, John 3.16. They had him on national television. They did a close-up and saw John 3.16. That next day, that was the largest Google search that they've ever had. People want to know, what is John 3.16? Isn't that crazy? Shows you how far we slipped as a culture and as a country. But back to our story, Luke 15.20, it says, And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. What did he do? Ran to his son. And when he got to his son, he gave him this lecture about how worthless he is and how... How no good he is. And he said, you worthless dog. He started beating him with a stick, didn't he? Oh, what does it say? He embraced him and did what? Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a much better welcome home than what I described. You see, when you make the decision to return to God, God's not mad at you. God runs to you. He welcomes you back. You say, well, I turned my back on God. That's true, but He's still not mad at you. I said some things that are against God. Well, that may be true, but God's still not mad at you. See, God is the loving Father who operates toward us with grace, and He's willing to offer that forgiveness to us any time, any place He's ready. If we'll but take one step. If you'll take one step. But notice what the loving Father did in verses 22 through 24. There in your notes. The father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the calf. We have been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. So the party began. Four things I want you to see that, that we've underlined here that are really important. It says the father gave the son the finest robe. The robe was a symbol of honor. It was a welcome to say, Come home. Kills the fatty calf. It's a sign of something that is important because in those days, you always save the fattest calf for the best celebration possible. Then the father throws this celebration. He welcomes home that son. And then notice he gives him shoes. That doesn't say much to us in modern America because we have shoes everywhere. We've got more pair than we can ever wear. But if you were a slave, you were always barefoot. And so when he came home a slave in need, the dad put shoes on his feet. And then it gives him a ring, and that's often overlooked. The ring is a symbol that the heritage between the father and the son had not been broken. The heritage between the father and the son has not been broken. In our day, we would call it the power of attorney. He's returned back with all the benefits. Even though he left the best life for something less, the father restored him fully and gave him all benefits plus. It's amazing, but that's how God treats us as well. On the cross, Jesus paid the ultimate price and brought us and gave us a gift that we can't possibly repay or return. Again, John 3.16, we need to finish that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone that believes in Him, what? Will not perish, but have eternal life or everlasting life. Circle the words eternal life. It's the summary of the benefits that we receive when we come back to God. 
Eternal life implies that when you return to God and you receive forgiveness through Christ, you get life's best possible results. On the back of your connection card, I, I want you to do a survey. We usually do this around Easter time. I try to do this once a year just to kind of gauge our church and kind of help you gauge where you are. But if you'll notice under spiritual survey, I've got four letters, A, B, C, and D. But the third point on the next step today is that I want to receive Christ for the very first time. There may not be anybody in this room that that would apply to, but you never know. You never know. So I put that in there just in the off chance that somebody who would hear this today might for the very first time say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Never want to miss that opportunity. Uh, as I talked to some of my family the other yesterday, I just I wanted to make sure that they were right with God. You don't have to be hard nosed about it. I just simply say, "How are you and Jesus doing?" And they'd usually say, "Okay." I take it right there. It's, it's between them and God. There's nothing. I can't put them in a headlock and drag them somewhere. <laughs> Wouldn't do much good, would it? But I just kind of wonder where you might be on this uh, survey. The letter A, if, 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 this, if this is you, let me explain all of them and then you kind of mark it there, okay? The letter A stands for that you've already believed, that you have already received forgiveness through Christ. Uh, so you might say, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm already a Christian. I'm, I'm already a Christian. So you would circle letter A. Uh, I realize that that's going to be probably most of you in this room. But then some of you, you might be a letter B, that you're really believing today. You decided just a moment ago to believe and you're ready to take that next step. Well, would you circle B? Say, I'm believing today, preacher, I'm believing. I've never done this before, but today I'm believing. So letter, letter A is for already received forgiveness. B is believing today and receiving forgiveness. Then C is that you're considering it. You're thinking about it. You've listened to the claims of Christ. You've considered being a Christian and what that means. And so that's where you are. Honestly, you're at C. You're just, you're really thinking about it. And then you may be at D. You know, you've listened to this stuff and you've heard it, but intellectually, you're going to be honest and simply say, you know, I just don't want anything to do with it. That's okay too. It's okay too. Just circle D. Uh, and, and may I arrest you, assure, I want you to be assured, I am not going to take these cards and come running to your house. I'm not going to do that. I'll pray for you, and I'm going to pray for you. But this is just kind of for me as the pastor to gauge who we are and where we are. Okay? So I hope all of you will do this. This is really important uh, that you do it. And, it's, and I only ask you to do this maybe once a year. Usually I do it around Easter, and this year I didn't do that, so I thought, well, this will be a good time to do it since we're into this uh uh, series. So would would ask you to consider that. And uh then the other next step items are in there as well. So if you'd if you'd mark some of those. And uh as soon as you do that, if you'd just pass those to the center aisle and uh if I could get a couple guys to collect those up for me, that'd be great. And uh just just uh put those back there inside my office door or whatever you want to do. Or bring them up here to me. That'd be fine. That'd be fine too. Okay? 
I want to thank you very much for filling out the survey. Uh, uh, it just helps me kind of know where our church is in their spiritual condition. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to forgive yourself. Then we're going to look at how to forgive others. But today, the most important thing that we could offer you is that, thank you, is that ultimate level of forgiveness, of knowing that you have been forgiven by God. And I hope you walk away from here with that understanding. Now, the last verse I have is our memory verse in Romans 4.25, and it says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sin. Thank you, Don. And He was raised from the dead to make us right with God. Let's, let's read that together. Jesus was handed over to die because of our sin. And He was raised from the dead to make us right with God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank You that Jesus is not still on the cross. He's not still in the grave, but it is risen. And risen indeed. So God, as we experience the power of the resurrection today, I want to thank You for the forgiveness that You offer for us. The power to wipe the slate clean. The power that we can have when we return home as a son or a daughter. Father, I just pray that we will return. That we'll come back. That we'll not stay away. And Jesus, I want to thank You for forgiving us. For welcoming us home. For making a way. For making the path. And setting the pace for us. And God, I am praying that today, maybe someone in this room will take that one step. And when they make that step, you'll come running. In Jesus' name, amen. Great song.